Hey, rewatchers, Keith here. This is Kyle. This is Amen. And welcome to our day two recap of the Highlander Worldwide 25th anniversary convention at the LAX Crown Plaza. Keith, what time are we recording this? All right, so this is this is the day two recap. We are recording this at our clock says two oh six in the morning on Sunday. It is very late. We Keith, are. What time of, would it be in Philadelphia? <laughs> Uh, this is like what five in the morning. In five in the morning. Five in the morning. Five or six in the morning in Philadelphia. We are still a little jet lagged. I think we, we're running on less than uh, I think ten hours of sleep. We were actually calculating really? this at the bar. Oh yeah, I guess you're I right. I think it's it's rough, mm. but we're we, here. We're going hard. We're doing it for you. We're not doing it for our livers. That's correct. Uh, so we're doing this for you. That, yeah, this is all and for when you. When I drink when we're not recording, I'm also doing that for you. <laughs> for you. You're so thoughtful, Eamon. The most thoughtful. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm just like, I need to finish this bottle of scotch tonight for the fans. For the fans. Everything's for the fans. Okay, so th- because we're so tired, this was, this is going to be even more loosey-goosey than the previous recap. But we're going to try to get to everything. And again, remember, down the road, we're going to be releasing more structured stuff that's going to be real cool. Interviews, videos, all sorts of that. You know, stuff. But these are quick jazz. recaps. All right. So we started the morning. There was a uh, – what happened this morning? Uh, there was like a 8 a.m. sort of like welcome to the convention. This is because this is the official start of it. Yesterday was classes. Today was like the panels and all that stuff. Yeah. So there was a, all the guests up on stage at once. It was really cool to see just everyone up there. Yeah. Almost all, all, almost all the, the guests were up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they just did quick intros – and David Abramowitz kind of set the show in motion in style. Yeah, David Abramowitz pulled out a uh, shofar, right? Is that yes, the it's like a it's a, like a ram's horn. It's a ram's horn, right? Used in Jewish ceremonial things mostly now, but it's like a I guess it would be usually used in battle. It's like that sort of thing. I think that's where the, the tradition comes from. Uh, but yeah, he he blew the shofar, and that was pretty cool. Yeah. He was great at it. Yeah, yeah, and he. Guy's got a great voice. He does. He did all the corresponding vocal elements that go along with it. And he, you know, he even, he really sold the shit out of it, too. He was was like, it's like, this is a tradition. We do this before all these, uh, you know, auspicious occasions. And it feels meaningful to do it now. And I was like, what's he about to do? And then, bam, blows the horn. I love David Abram. It's like, again, I've said this before. Like, people I've been excited to meet and talk to here, he's the guy. Like... I think he's so fascinating and an, an interesting dude. So anyway, so he kicks it off, and then it like jumped right into panels, basically. Essentially, yeah. Uh, so the first panel was gathering. We, the gathering, and so that featured uh, Don Payanessa, who did like post production on the show. Um, we've talked a little bit about him, um, and we actually got to talk to him and his wife yesterday which was really fun during the meet and greet during the meet and greet um but yeah i think we were joking he was really hard on himself remember in what's the episode uh with the, the drug with episode the star wipe yeah courage courage, courage yeah. yeah and there's this crazy like it looks like it's a super friend thing it was like i'm so I'm sorry really sorry this didn't work out how i wanted it to and i apologize I don't know what this impression is. Yeah, I don't know. But he was really not an impression. That's kind of your voice. Yeah, it's really not that bad. Uh, But he was like really down on himself. He's a very nice guy. Very nice guy. And And also a painter. Yeah. Oh yes, and he's a painter. He's an oil painter. I wanted to talk to him about his paintings. We'll maybe get to that in the day three recap. We'll see. Uh, So anyway, it was Don Panessa. It was Adrian Paul and Stan Kirsch did this panel, and they went through their memories of the first day. You know how they got hired, all that sort of stuff. Because like for Adrian, it was like. 
he didn't think he got the job. It was like he was waiting weeks to hear, hear back. He really thought he had it. And he was getting all bummed out. And then, like, his agent went away. And then, like, the assistant called him and was like, you got this gig. Like, you got to go. Like, you're flying out on Saturday starting on Monday. And that was, boom, the Peace. start of Highlander. Um, so that was cool. And then they played some clips. Uh, from long clips. They're very, very long. Very long clips that featured nudity as well, which is. Yeah, they, hold, they showed, like, the whole Tessa, like, nudity shower scene. Yeah. That was followed by like a so very we were all cheering full thing. Yeah, we were all cheering. Cheering. And- What's all this wee stuff? <laughs> there were humans cheering. Yeah, we we the royal we. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that was cool. Um, were there? I'm trying to think right off the top. I mean, we're doing all this off the the top of our heads right now. So forgive us if we're like maybe lacking a few details. But we all took notes at most of these panels. Yeah. So when we do like a full recap later, some of this stuff is going to get filled in. So don't think we're like skimping on the details. They're coming. Um, but yeah, that was fun. Um, and then it went into the second panel was the, uh, oh, then it was the Amanda panel, right? The Amanda mandate, the which, mandate for a mandate. Yeah, mandate, which why is it not called the, a mandate? But oh, because we thought it sounds like a mandate, right? Yeah. Yeah. That that's probably why. That's probably why. Okay. Or just a mandate, like mandate, not a mandate, but mandate, right? A mandate. I don't know that could be confusing this is uh, what we're here to break down for you guys. yes we could, we're here to workshop we're here to workshop these puns baby we always talk about the titles of the episodes what does this title mean That's what true. is this one about so anyway um that was great um elizabeth grayson came out and she talked a lot about her character amanda and what it meant to her to play it um her experience on the raven right which is a show we really haven't talked about on our show at all uh, we're getting there. One of these days. One of these days. She told a good story about punching somebody in the face and yeah, then sending them, sending them some roses to apologize. Right. And, you know, kind of her theories on what the next phase of the Raven might have been if they had gotten a second season. And I thought those were pretty good ideas. Yeah. And as she said, like, she's like, it's the first season of the show. Like, it's not going to be as good. And I guess maybe that's something you might take for granted because it's like, oh, it follows Highlander. So it's like. This is, like, the seventh season of Highlander, but it's, like, kind of not because, like, Amanda had to be redefined as a character, which I think is the trickiest part about the Raven in general is that, like, they were like, oh, well, she can't be, like, kind of a anti-hero anymore. She's got to be the hero. So they have to, like, reestablish her, all her motivations and everything. We're getting way into this. Sorry. Moving on. Uh, then, let's see. Then we... Then it was the writers panel, I believe. There was a... There was a panel we ended up... Did we miss? That was after. After. Okay, so there was a writer's panel, which was with David Abramowitz, uh, Gillian Horvath, Don Aletto, and David Abramowitz. And or no, I said David Abramowitz. Ken Gord, excuse me. Oh, and Moira Vinsky. Moira Vinsky and Ken Gord. Yes. Yep. And they... Uh, they really broke down kind of some of the, the writing techniques that went into these episodes. Really got, I, I don't know, I found a lot of the industry talk to be some of the most interesting parts of that. Kind of breaking down how the how being a writer has changed and how the business structures affected it. That was really cool. Yeah, I like all that like behind-the-scenes stuff. Like, Maury Ravinsky was just talking about, like, well, you know, in some ways, as fans, I think we benefit because we're living now in the golden age of television where... There's shorter seasons, there's better budgets sometimes, or it's more just concise budgets, uh, you know, but like sometimes it's like six to ten episodes a season. But for a writer, it's like, well, you make your money on a season of shows, which could be 22 episodes in the 90s, and now you're down to 10 or eight or whatever it is. And it's like, 
how do you pay the bills? And especially because you get, I guess he was saying, like, a lot of times you get put on, like, a retainer. And it's like, so you get locked into the show, and now you got to wait for the second season, and you're not allowed to work on another show. Uh, so that's been making it tough for writers. Yeah, which it's, you know, it's one of those weird things is we're a consumer of this product right. of entertainment, and, like, it's emphatically better than it's ever been before. But, you know, just yeah. like you want your cage-free fucking eggs, you want your writers cage to get free paid. writers. Yeah, you want cage-free writers, baby. I like that. That's a, That's... That's all yours, Writers Guild. Cage free writers. writers. That'll be our next T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> next. Hmm? Oh, the new T-shirts. Hashtag. We're actually not sure about that. Actually, <laughs> well, we are wearing new T-shirts. We are not sure if they'll be made public yet. Whoops. Stay tuned for that. Yeah. <laughs> this is unedited, so you're gonna deal with that factoid for a while. Um. Then let's see what else happened. Um, then after that, we had a panel. Then Stan Kirsch got up and spoke, right. which I believe uh, not all of us got to see because I believe, Keith, I think you were ta- talking to Peter Wigfield. That's right. I came in like late to the Stan Kirsch uh, panel. So I was back in. There's kind of like a vendor room which where we're set up with some – Yeah, they had the, like a silent auction there. Uh, Adrian Paul was there um, with Peace on Radio. And actually they were doing like a live – Radio broadcast right. uh, today with his whole crew, which was cool. Um, yeah, everybody was in there. Um, but, yeah, I got to talk to Peter. Uh, we sat down for a few minutes, and um, we'll be releasing that hopefully soon-ish. Um, and that was great. Yeah, we talked about his heroes. We talked about his, you know, how Highlanders changes his life. All sorts of good stuff. I don't want to get too into it because he can speak for himself. Uh, but then, yeah, the Stan Kirsch panel was great. Yes, he got to, I think it was called Forever Young. Yeah. I wanna be Forever Night, right? Is that not what we're doing? Yeah, Forever Night. Uh, and he had some very interesting things to say about, you know, the way he kind of wished Richie would have gone. He kind of was yearning for a more intellectual challenge, a more liberal character. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting because he was like, I feel like Richie would be more liberal. And I was like, is Richie, like, does he come off as, like, a conservative dude? Or, like, I don't know. Well, I think he's, like, constantly confounded by change and, like, anything yeah. non-traditional. Or maybe he just meant he needed to be, like, more active in, like, wanting to do, like, those, like, those sort of causes. Like, civil rights causes and all that sort of stuff. Maybe that's what he was getting at. Or but maybe, it was very interesting. Yeah, or maybe it's, like, you know, because he's got a bad habit of, you know only being attracted to women in distress that he needs to be the savior for maybe yeah maybe that's it yeah maybe that's richie richie is a little predatory a little bit oh boy just a little bit right i could actually see i honestly a little bit predatory yeah i guess so i don't know oh boy yes this is yeah (laughs) kind of is yeah i think once once you're predatory you're predatory right it's an either or yeah i think so uh but i thought actually that was a really like interesting idea and i was like oh this could have actually served if this show was made at a different time when, like, you know, the pieces don't reset every episode. Although Highlander does a good time, job of, like, things don't reset completely. Uh, but I was thinking, it's like, oh, like, Mac does some sometimes questionable things. Like, he has to make tough choices, and sometimes he dispatches, or you can't help everybody. And I was like, oh, like, Richie as a young, idealistic kid would maybe want to always forgive people. Like, you got to give him a second chance. Like, he doesn't have the experience Mac does. And I could see, like... I, I think, you know, I mean, if they didn't kill off Richie, I think that the next logical choice is, like, Richie's Mac's enemy now. 
for reasons that like I don't agree with these choices you've made again because I have different life experiences and I'm more I idealistic about certain things than you or I don't see the nuance that you do I don't know it could be very interesting I don't know it was a cool yeah. comment I thought yeah it was and also you know if you're ever going to play with this tension of who's like kind of got a more liberal bent and this whole thing like it makes sense that the 400 year old guy you know maybe has some outdated notions and this guy who's only grown up in the you know then 20th century right you know sometimes sometimes like i don't think there are almost any situations in the show in which richie is the character who's right yeah like i don't i'm thinking trying to think of examples and i'm failing right but you know when you're 400 years old i'm sure you miss some things and that might have been something fun to play with totally anyway uh, I also wanted to jump back to the previous night. Some just some stuff we missed. Maybe uh, there was a trivia night. Oh, yeah, that's that right. That was fun. So we we played with it was well the three of us and it was uh, Andrew Modine, director of Highlander: Dark Places, and Jeremy Orr, director of Highlander: The Watcher, uh, and we were all on a team called There Can Be Only Puns, and we were crushing it through through three so it was seasons. All divided up into trivia questions from different seasons. Crush it on season one. Crush it on season two. Every answer right on season three. And then our Highlander knowledge <laughs> took a nose dive. Uh, yeah. Yep. Uh, a so big what, old what place did we get in? Uh, we ended up coming in last. last though week. that was in part based on a strategic decision because there was a bidding component to the like final. Like Final Jeopardy. Yes. And we, of course, bid the maximum. Unfortunately, we got that question wrong. But, you right. know. And we didn't count we, on some other people getting it wrong, too. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, we there was no chance for us to win. But. True. Uh, so you, you know, we, Rogers. We, yeah, <laughs> fucking failures. <laughs> We've been your failures. <laughs> uh, but it was a lot of fun. You come to us for Highlander trivia. Yeah. And we get last place. Although Gillian said we were killing it right up until round four. Yeah. No, we were. I so, felt really good about it. Cause like these, some of these questions were like, I thought very hard. And yeah. we were like, we know this instantly. Like, yep. we do know this show back backwards and forwards to a point. So let's play again after season six. Exactly. <laughs> and now we'll really know our shit. Anyway, back to today's activity. Yeah, well, then we got blasted in the hotel bar slash the hotel patio. Yeah. With Clay Boris and others. That was an amazing time. Yeah, We've is... been hanging out with Clay Boris. If you haven't listened to our interview with him, go back and listen to it. It's one of our favorite ones, I think. It's been oh, great. Yeah, easily. And the fun has not stopped with Clay. Oh, yeah. Uh, ev everything you would picture about hanging out with this dude, almost certainly true. Yeah, he's fascinating, always has good stories, and he has been insulting the shit out of us. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's, Specifically, Keith and I. Yes. It's kind of amazing. Yeah. We'll get into that maybe later. I don't know. We, oh, we're, we're going to, I think, talk to Clay tomorrow on microphone, and we're going we're gonna to rehash oh, some of this. Special bonus episode. Yeah. yeah. So. That'll be fun. Yeah. It's going to be fun. Uh, so I talked to Peter Wingfield. St uh, Stan Kirsch's thing was very interesting. Peter Wingfield also talked. Gave a whole speech about medical malpractice. Oh, and yeah. Peter was fascinating, and uh, he's a very thoughtful guy. You know. Charming as shit. <laughs> Absolutely. What else do we want to say about Peter Wingfield? You got to... He's very muscular and handsome. <laughs> very good aim. It is hot in here. Uh, I was like just looking at his arms. Go on. And he just had like really slow, slow it down. Muscular arms. What? Got that hard bod. He's got a hard bod. Hands on a hard bod. There we go. 
Yeah, but no, he's very charming, and he, he, he the way he speaks is very uh, dulcet, mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, it's like hypnotizing. But he, we, he talks a lot about uh, how acting and the medical profession are connected because of empathy. He's like, as an actor, you need to empathize with your character and understand. Yeah, that's how you're able to react to things and connect. And he's like, that's the same thing in medicine, um, which is, I think, he says made him a stronger doctor, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah. And he also talked about his, like, you know, process for getting into a character and that he kind of pictures those characters next to him as he goes through life and kind of misses them. It was kind of a cool And he had, like, sentiment. playlists for them as well, right? Like, he would get, like, pumped up for a scene and he would have, like, I thought, I thought so, yeah, right? He yeah. has, like, specific playlists. Like, this is what this character listens to. And so I'm going to listen to this. And I thought that was a really cool, like, exercise you could do as an actor. Yeah. And, like, it was, you know, to add extra meat to the bones. Yeah. He, like, described one time where he, like, blew it, kind of. Like, yeah. It's like, oh, no, this character wouldn't listen to this song, and it's, like, hampering my ability to do this because right. it's, like, I'm out of it. That was cool. Um, so then, let's see, uh, we, we en- ended up sitting down with Stan Kirsch a little bit more, which was really great. Okay. Um, He's very generous with his time with us. We, we love Stan. Yeah. He's the man, and we're going to tease a little something here. Well, we, we talked with Stan about, uh, you know, well, his, more about his acting school, choosing to act, and, you know, making these, light, like, tough life decisions, like, to commit to your craft, these sort of things. Great advice from Stan. Stay tuned for our interview with him. Uh, but Stan's working on a podcast currently, which we're all really excited to listen to. And your rewatchers have a little something to do with it, which is going to be really fun. So stay tuned to this space for that. Well, I'll just, I guess I'll spoil it a little bit. I'm producing the podcast for Stan. So yeah, it's going to be pretty Keith. cool. So we've uh, he's got the skills. Yeah, we've worked on the first episode right now, and that'll be coming out pretty soon. And then you're going to get an episode a month, uh, hopefully after that. So. It's going to be really a cool way for you to hear more about Stan in the future and what he's up to and what he does. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 What so, else happened today? Oh, so unfortunately we were not able to attend because we were doing the Stan Kirsch interview. There was uh, David Abramowitz and uh, what's what, Jim Burns panel. Right. But we'll get the scoop on that and... Well, we heard we heard a lot of like there was a lot of like blowing up the source about like how David was brought in to like change the script and like they didn't do any of that stuff. Like he seemed like fuck this thing. Like he did not seem happy about any of this. Uh, Which you know, I see Jim Burns gets shafted in that film. Yeah, so there was a lot of apparently (laughs) that sort of discussion going on, to say the least. Jim Burns gets shafted. That's right. Yeah. Um, What else happened today, guys? We talked to uh, Joe Pearson uh, about some of his animated feature work, which we'll have a fuller-length interview yeah. uh, released in the future. But mm-hmm. he was really nice to talk to. So, Eamon, what did Joe Pearson Joe do? Joe Pearson uh, helped, I believe, produce the Search for Vengeance, the uh, Yoshiaki Kaojiri Highlander movie. And he also directed the animated feature War of the Worlds. Goliath. Goliath. In 3D. That's right. Yeah. And that was written by David Abramowitz. Yep. And, and it stars... Pretty much the entire Highlander basically cast. Basically the Highlander cast. Jim Burns is... Teddy. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt. TR. Yeah. And then it's got... The Bull Moose. Peter Wingfield is the star. Adrian Paul's like the comic relief sidekick, uh, which is funny. Elizabeth Grayson's in it. Also has Adam Adam Baldwin. No, not Adam Baldwin. Adam Baldwin, Is yeah. it Adam Baldwin? Okay. It is. Uh, so, yeah, cool stuff. Um, so, yeah, we, we think we're going to release a pretty long video interview with... Hit, about him and his career, he did the most recent Pearl Jam uh, music video. 
uh, and we maybe we'll talk more about War of the Worlds Goliath on that episode as well and do a review of that. So that was really cool. Uh, then there was a big autograph signing, um, which was great. So uh, I think everyone was very pleased. Like, they had the directors out there, the writers, the actors. Whole gang. The whole gang. So people were grabbing up those signatures. Yeah, yeah. Then there was a large auction that took place. That was a blast. I yeah. thought. I, I'm glad, like, all the guests got involved in some way, more or less, but it was really driven by Adrian Paul and Peter Wingfield, and they just had, like, hilarious chemistry together and really got the crowd pumped up. They were really out of, like, able to juice some extra bids out of people. Yeah. They were just like, we're not stopping until I'm getting, we're getting this amount, and yeah. they would just, like, manage to cajole people into. <laughs> ponying up the bucks it was great yeah ponytailing up those bucks the very first item sold was adrian paul's ponytail which oh, yeah. sold for one thousand dollars wow really yes oh <laughs> yeah wow <laughs> moment of silence this yeah. stopped everyone dead in their tracks yeah it's a lot for hair yeah one lucky gentleman who kind of looked like john snow yeah. Managed to get one of the uh, katanas made by Daryl Kyle, who's here today, for the low, low price of only $500. So, you know, apparently there was also bargains yeah, to be had. Yeah, there were a couple bargains. Uh, the, I guess the showstopper of the whole thing was... Oh, side note, somebody also bought Adrian's leather pants. They were yeah. worth a couple hundred bucks, apparently. Yeah, apparently. Uh, oh, and Elizabeth Grayson put on... She modeled the Kurgan helmet which was getting auctioned, and that was fun because she was quoting Kurgan lines, which was cool. Um, but, yeah, the, 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 the grand finale was a picture with all of the cast. So Jim, Peter, Adrian, Elizabeth, and Stan. And right. And that went for – well, so, it first went for – Six people ordered – or, well, you were going to say the whole thing, Keith, but yeah, sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Good job. <laughs> Kyle, why don't you wrap this up? Let's all get in on this action. So the, <laughs> after the bidding climbed up to over, the bidding started at $100. After it climbed up. Anyway, to, I would have bid on it for $100. Yes, me too. Uh, after it climbed up to over $1,500, yeah. Adrian Paul had the actually quite good idea to say, like, look. I'm gonna knock this price down to twelve fifty, but only if at four least people. if if three, three or four three people, three people promise. a group promised to pay that price, and then it got up to five or six people uh -huh. agreed to pay the twelve hundred dollars. Yeah, to so. get that photo. I mean, it's a hell of a photo, no Smart doubt. Move. But yeah, totally cool. You know, and but yeah, like, this this was all for like the peace fund. Yeah, so it goes to a good place. Mm -hmm. so that's great. Yeah, so that uh, was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, it was kind of like this improv comedy sort of show, essentially, like built into the improv. Yeah. Cool. And then, uh, yeah, then, then there was kind of a short break after that. Uh, was there? Yeah, we ate some dope Persian food. Oh, yeah, we had some Persian food. We had some poke for lunch. Yeah. Which was very yummy. Uh, the and rest then, of this podcast will be about the food. Yeah, there, was yeah uh, there was some dolma. Yeah, there was some dolma. There was some crispy rice. Yeah. All that good stuff. Um but yeah, then the uh, the cabaret was tonight, uh, so we went back uh, for the cabaret, which uh, opened up with like a cosplay fashion show thing. Uh, so people participated in that. Um, and then who were the performers? Let's see. Then so we had the the Adrian and Elizabeth, Elizabeth Grayson letters play, which kind of debuted at Leshcon, but it was right. expanded upon and I think polished 
mm-hmm. this time. And it also included Jim Burns this time. Like, he right. added some commentary, like, he was watching Duncan and Amanda, so he added a, some interjections. Oh, they're at it again. Yeah, stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> Those Duke boys yeah. <laughs> are at it again. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, so that was great. And, you know, I gotta say, like, it really brought the house down. I mean, the uh, there were there were people in tears. People were in the, tears, and that was I don't know. That was interesting to to see as someone who hasn't quite taken the same ride with these characters as the people who've been going to the cons since. Yeah, and a lot the of 90s. people have gone to these cons. Like this is Highlander Worldwide ten. You might say eleven because of the one that was like a workshop, right? And I think yeah. that's what they've said. Carmel said, uh, yeah, people have gone to like every single one of these. So. That's like a special group of people that's here, I think, that have that shared experience, which is neat. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we're newbies to this, so. Yeah. But, you know, it's interesting to see people, you know, mm-hmm. really get emotional, you know, witnessing these characters again. And then it moves right along to a uh, poetry, a very intense poetry reading from Anthony DeLongis. Yeah, it was who, The Highwayman. Yes, it it was. I, would, it I mean, it's a, it's a very good poem. Like yeah. I was captivated by it. And Anthony's Anthony did read two poems, and I thought his readings were really great. Like they were, they were really good. Uh, but it's it's, it's this very dark. It was extremely dark, it's, and I like I kept on thinking like, oh, this is kind of cute. And then I was like, oh, it's not cute. Oh, it's getting. Oh no. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I was going to say a little rapey. Like, we said a little predatory either. It's like, I don't think you can be a little rapey. It's like, you're rapey or you're not rapey. Yeah. This poem is rapey. Uh, yes, and murdery. Yeah. No, it, I mean, it tells us, like, it tells, like, a story. Uh, yeah. And it's a violent one. Um, For sure. Yeah. But it was great, and he read the shit out of it. Yeah. Um, and then, let's see, who else? Uh, then Peter Wigfield performed with his son. They yeah. gave, th- they did three songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, they opened up with some David Bowie. Yeah. Heroes. Uh, and then they moved on to uh, who's the the Canadian artist who just died? What's the name of the band? Shit, hip something or nope? Oh, damn it! Damn. Tragically hip. Yes. Yes. There we go. Yes, they did a song from Tragically Hip, and I forget what the third song was. Yeah. But uh, but that was great and charming and cool to see him perform at the Sun. Yeah, his yeah. son's a pretty good guitar player. Yeah, and uh, Peter Wigfield has a pretty pretty decent singing voice it was mm-hmm. cool yeah that was fun um and then let's see then david abramowitz maybe was next that was fascinating so david for those of you don't, that don't know was actually a professional musician like he was a singer before he became a writer uh he planned on being a musician um so he has a great singing voice and so he sang uh summertime yeah with jim uh, burns on, on guitar. guitar yeah and then uh sang havana gila yeah which was i was like what's he gonna follow that with and i was like Havana Gila, yeah. huh? And <laughs> Gillian Horvath and others. And some of the other writing staff got up and were dancing Sing. around. It was yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, it was, it was the best. And he really does have a great singing voice. Yeah, and then Anthony uh, did another poem, I guess, after that. And I forget, that that, that was from a book called the, uh, what was it, Songs for Sourdough or something like that, I believe. And it was That's a very a- kind of quirky poem, right? Yeah. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And then after that was, was oh, that was the it was about uh, a guy getting cremated. Right, a, a man freezes to death, and his yeah. companion. That was really good. It was really funny. Yeah. Promises to cremate him. Hopefully, he, you know, maybe we'll be able to find we'll find that poem. Hopefully, if we remember to and post it on Facebook. Yeah. Um, and then, then it was. Uh, then Grayson, after, Grayson himself, maybe. What's it? James oh, Horan? yeah. Then after that, James Horan gets shaking his head. 
we missed one, didn't we? Um, but now I can't think of it. Eamon looks so tired. It looks like it, it just said it. like, I, just hit me. Your eyes are completely bloodshot. Right? Are they? They're fucked. <laughs> well, there's James Horn, but um, didn't we miss one? Oh, uh, did we talk about Ken Gord? Oh, was that? Be- yeah, that must have been before. So yeah. Ken wrote a... Um, Conspiracy theory? Yeah, basically like an Alex Jones style, like putting rant. the pieces together. Yeah, like this crazy rant about... It's more of a Glenn Beck style. Yeah. Um, about putting the, the like the pieces together, like why there's so many M names and K names, and like what's Abrama, what's doing, doing, and it's like it got out of control. We got a nice shout out. He was like, I think somehow the Highlander Wa- rewatch crew is on in on it. You've got Keith and Kyle. Eamon, Eamon, what are you doing? Like you got to watch your back. Uh, so it was very fun. Um, he also named like a bunch of the convention goers, like, like he, all of them. Like all of them. Like he got the people that like the convention list and found everyone that had a K or an M name, and like mm-hmm. was like, "What about you?" And he just was reading the names, and that was really fun. Uh, yeah, that was great. Ken has a great sense of humor. I I really liked hanging out with him this weekend. Yeah, definitely. Uh, then we it got also had James- like Batman style math in it. That was one oh, of my favorite parts. That was the best gag in the whole thing. Yeah. At some point, he's doing. He's like M and K. There are two letters apart, like one and one, like one and one. Like it was like equals eleven, and like it was all this like convoluted math, and none of it made any sense at all. It was really good. <laughs> uh, then James Horan like got up and sang the shit out of some some Western music, like, some, like country. Tunes. But it was like loungy. La- very it was loungy. Like Las Vegas loungy. And he, he had some great. like hit moves going on. Yeah. There was there was definitely gyrating. I would call gyrating. it gyrating. There's it needed thrusting. like a, a, a disco ball would have I think really Com- set it off. Yeah. Perfected it. Yeah. He was great. Yeah, it was great. Also weird because he's like such a villainous dude in like everything. Yeah. And then he's up there like giving like winks to like the ladies in the audience and stuff, singing this like lounge country. Put on your blue suede shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Um and then there was a tiny break, and then the star of the show, so to speak, got up. Jim Burns. And they let him play for a while. It, this cabaret did not end until like 12-something. It was after 12, I think, when it ended. Yeah. Uh, which is, again, why we're up. It is, the clock now reads 2.35, people. Fuck us. <laughs> we uh, have to get up at like 7. Um, but, uh, yeah. Uh, what would you guys think of Jim Burns? He was phenomenal. Like Amazing. I was blown away. It was so good. Like it made me want to go to Vancouver to see him, like perform a concert. Like because he performs like every week, and it's like I want to see more of this. Like he's amazing. Yeah, and like and so fucking charming. Like the stories he told, like weaving the different songs together. Like he had not for every song, but for most songs, he had like a really good transition and like he's dropping names. Things. He's like, this is the bass player on this album, and it's like I met this guy on the road, and we're doing this, and, and I went to Ray Charles's funeral. And this story was told by Willie Nelson. Like it was awesome. Um, yeah, and he had yeah, like he's got such like a, a twang to his, like the cut of his jib. That's yeah, what I'm trying to say. Uh, we'll probably end up in our big recap talking more about that. But some of his anecdotes are worth. What was the passing. doo-wop song he sang? And he was like, "Oh, it's like it was written by this guy, but then sang from this like group in heart or in like Chicago." Yeah. He's like, "He's like, man, he's like, I just was, heard this, and he's like, some cool shit." Like, no, he yeah, he he <laughs> was saying he found this record in. It was originally, I think, the song was written by. He doesn't perform it, but the like part of the song. Okay. Well, writing credit goes to like Curtis Mayfield. Okay. And he was, like, in the middle of fucking nowhere in Canada, like, west, like, 
British Columbia or something like that and is just in the middle of nowhere and finds a record from some like clearly young girl like who signed it with like hearts on the dots of eyes and she's in the middle of nowhere signing like her name on this Curtis Mayfield album is this guy who's like grow grown up in like the projects of Chicago and he's like and he just ends this act of being like, and that's some good shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, he also had another really charming story. I guess he was performing like way up north. It was in Canada, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, Oh, yeah. He's like above the Arctic Circle. Yeah. And I guess before he left, he was asked to like, hey, can you come by like an elementary school and, you know, put on like a little assembly for the kids? He was like, sure. And so I guess like a lot of the, the kids were like native peoples and, you know, some were Canadians. And then I guess there was even some like Pakistani kids there. Um, and so he's, he's playing for him and like, he, I guess he has for like anyone, like won't have any requests. And he said that we got time for one more song right. and some precocious young, like Inuit child yelled out, do you know any Johnny cash? Yeah. Uh, which was really, he was like, that's the coolest thing. Um, and then he played, uh, a Johnny cash song. Yeah. Folsom prison. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, no, it was, it was really amazing to see you hear him play. He's a great guitar player, great vocalist. All around, good guy. Yeah, and that was basically. And then that was it. And then we, I guess, hit the bar again with, you know, some of the cast and crew were there. Uh, yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was a great time. Yeah, but now it's time to go to bed. Yeah, it's time to pass. Pass out. Uh, so yeah, thanks for joining us. I hope this was okay to listen to everybody because it was kind of like a little rambling, but that's what you're getting because it's super late well we want to record this now because it's more fresher in our minds right now and you know very good uh but yeah tomorrow what's what's in store tomorrow it's uh more panels our panel we're doing a panel on social media with gillian horvath and donaletto and grant kepster from under heart and and the blood of kings Kings guys guys. um so that's going to be really fun um hopefully that's all going to be filmed and you know that'll be its own kind of episode uh yeah and there's a bunch more panels tomorrow and so we'll be bringing you like the director's panel with clay barris and um richard martin mm-hmm. right is tomorrow so all sorts of good stuff we'll get there very good we can sign off now we're good to go we're yes, good please. all right we've been your rewatchers sleep tight <laughs> <laughs> i'm keith this is kyle this is all right bye, bye. bye.